Hello, everybody. Happy Friday and welcome to episode number four of the Courage Pays Better Than Fear podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Special Eddie, Edmund Fontana, <laughs> and we are so excited to be with you for the fourth episode. Man, we've made it four episodes. How do you feel about that? It's been a, it's been an interesting month for sure, um, but I'm super happy that we stuck with our goal. We said we were going to do one a week, and even though this week was a bit of a struggle, it seems like it's always a struggle, right? But, uh, you know, if this week we were thinking about putting this off, we'll do it next week, but we are here, right? You just got to show up. 90% of this right. is all about showing up. Right. So we'll just try not to go through the motions today. We'll try to bring you some entertainment give you some inspiration and motivation because courage does pay better than fear and everything that you want is on the other side of those difficulties and challenges that are in front of you today. If you remember last week, we talked about my story, um, how I got to this point. And today we are going to learn about Cupcake and (laughs) how he got here. And I will tell you this, that some of the stories that you're going to hear Edmund tell about how he came up and everything. I know when he shares them with me or we talk about it, it's... (laughs) It's unbelievable. So you guys are in for a treat today. But before we get to that, Fury's three, man, you're up. I have three questions for you. I'm ready. So three random questions. All right. You know, I was supposed to think about these questions prior to, and and obviously I didn't. So I'm just going to see what what I come up with. All right. What what is one thing that your wife does that drives you absolutely nuts? Nothing. She's she's perfect. (laughs) Good answer. I knew that was coming. <laughs> You're such a chicken shit. <laughs> if there's anybody, if, any, if there's anybody that knows this man, uh, his wife plays a, a huge role in his life, and uh, super thankful for. Her, but he's also <laughs> he, he all he will also get his rear end whooped <laughs> if he says anything wrong. So I love you, man. Right, glad I put you on the spot there. Uh, who was your hero growing up? If there was one person that you oh, could uh, contribute, it could be, uh, you know, comic figure, whatever. Like who? Who, wow. who? Who was your hero? That's a really good question, dude. Uh huh. Man, um, was it Barbie or Ken? Or- <laughs> yeah, actually, it was. Well, they were actually number two and three. Um, so, uh, honestly, it, it, it probably was my brother. Um, okay. Yeah, it was That's my good. brother because he. Uh, he's I was older. Than he's you. older than me. I always looked up to him because he was like just big, jacked up dude, football player. Was tough. Didn't take any crap. Yeah, any crap. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so I, I always wanted to kind of be like him. Um, now, did he ever have to like come to your defense at all? Like, yeah, you know? like nobody messed with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> nice. Oh, also check out his uh, his winery, Silvermark Cellars, Cannesburg, Pennsylvania. Google it. How come you haven't brought any to home? I have. Oh, you did. It was it was the bourbon. <laughs> it was the bourbon. It was a while ago. Um, let me think. All right, one more thing. One more thing. Uh, You're supposed to have these planned in advance. Dude. I know, but I told you I'm not good. I'm not good at that. What is if there was one thing you had to change about yourself? What would it be? that's every guy (laughs) wait what are you talking about i'm happy um one thing that i could change about myself if i could um oh jesus that is tough deep one right yeah and i'm not trying to waste people's time by like thinking too much i'm just gonna say i wish I, i didn't have like 
thin hair like a dude. It's real thin hair. And most people are like, oh, man, you got like a five head. My grandfather had a five head. Um, <laughs> I'm not going bald, but it's just I got <laughs> thin hair. I wish I had like thick, thick hair like you. Don't be touching my head. So, <laughs> all right. All right. I'm taking the host host back over for Edmund. So that was the Furious 3. Next week, he's back on the hot seat. I'll be firing those four questions at him. Three questions. Okay. I was going to say, three. Furious four. Three. Right. Sorry, it is Reason Friday. Up. So, again, we are telling our stories. You heard my story last week. We're going to talk to Edmund and learn about his journey. And, Edmund, just to get started, uh, now you live in Landenburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, but you grew up in Newcastle, Delaware. Tell us about, like, your, your childhood, your you know, where you came from and yep. how that shaped you. So born and raised, uh, Newcastle, Delaware, um, I would say lower middle class is what it was. Uh, my dad was a, a construction worker. Uh, he was out there busting his butt, uh, had a really hard, you know, good work ethic. Um, you know, he struggled. He had, he had his demons like, like most people do. Um, he, you know, he and my mom, they got together at a young age. He was a couple of years older than my mom. Um, I think my mom was around 18 or so when she had me. Uh, and then six years later, they had my brother, my brother, Joey. And two, you know, came, grew up in the same family, right? Uh, just he and I are, are just vastly different in many ways. Um, some good, some bad. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's really crazy, like how two people can grow up in the same environment and be completely different. Um, actually, in our book, Tony Robbins, Awaken the, 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 the giant. giant Within, they talk about that. But uh, lower class neighborhood kind of started out in old Newcastle, grew up there and then moved to school side apartments um, and then moved to Wilmington Manor Gardens um, and grew up there for the most part of my life. I was probably around 12, 13 when my, my parents split. Um, again, it was mainly because... You, you know, there was a, there was alcohol and stuff involved and, you know, that kind of stuff, nothing crazy. You know, I'm sure like most people go through it, but mom and dad just decided, you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't working anymore. Um, mom moved. She took me and my brother. I ended up going with my mom. My brother ended up coming back, stayed with my dad. Um, and then that was a huge turning point in my life, I think, because I remember growing up and like looking around and all my friends' parents were divorced. And I'm just like, wow, like my parents are still together. And no sooner than I thought that, you know, I started noticing, you know, bigger problems going on in the house. So it's probably because I got older. Um, and then there it was my family, you know, my family separated. Um, and then my mom got, she, she ended up, you know, dating, uh, my stepfather, uh, a couple of years later, and he played a, a huge part in my life um and kind of filled that that uh father figure role so luckily for me um this doesn't happen for everybody but i was able to find that person now it took me a while to get there i you know there's obviously trust issues in the beginning i was a young punk you know 12 13 14 years old thinking i knew it all was was yeah now you're just an old punk. now I'm just an old punk yeah <laughs> um so you know there was that whole component um and then uh you know, that, that was kind of the, the background as far. And then he had, um, my stepfather had three sons, Chris, Michael, and Anthony. So it was five boys, right? We, we ended up. Your poor together. mom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was five boys and my mom and my stepdad, Bob, in like a 1500 square foot home. Wow. And like, they literally turned the garage into a bedroom 
Um, so we could all we could all live in there. And that was, we lived in, lived in Buckley. So there was wow. like these little townhouses. Wow. And uh, it was interesting for sure. Sound, mm. Sounds interesting. So I got two questions here. One kind of fun. And mm-hmm. then one let's we'll get a little bit serious here. But what, what was the young Eddie like? Oh, what was man. he into? Was he like, oh, I like comic books and nah. watching Saturday cartoons? What, nah. what was how about like Eddie, like 10 and younger and then the teenage Edmund? So. 10 and, 10 and younger, um, 10 and younger. I mean, I don't think I was, I was bad. Um, I was always, I was always in the trying to figure things out. Right. Like I remember my mom telling me stories, like I would take, you know, bikes and stuff apart and then somehow miraculously be able to put these things back together at a very young age. Um, so I was always curious into that stuff. Um, my dad would try to take me to work with him. I'd be like, hell no, it's too cold. <laughs> right. I'm glad he did that. Right. He took me out there. He put me in the construction field. And I remember vividly, like, just how cold and miserable it was. And, like, I remember looking at his hands and they were, like, just rough and callous, like, had callous everywhere. So I was like, this is this is not what I want to do. And I knew that at a very, very early age. Now, here's what happens. After the divorce, okay, every young man, when they go through that, especially if the issue technically has to do with, you know, the dad and and every young man, you know, I wasn't getting along with my father at the time. So I started looking, right, for that person to fill that void. Um, And it just, you know, it happened to be the the drug dealers in the neighborhood, the people that were pretty violent, you know, uh, just, you know, they, they were just riding around in flashy cars and had a ton of money and just doing all the wrong things, but they had all the materialistic things that I thought was, you know, awesome. Right. Um, got caught up listening to, you know, all the rap music and, you know, just a young punk um, and not proud of it by any means, but I know what, now that I'm older, I know what happened. These other people came in and filled that void and protected me and showed me love. And I felt like I was part of a, a family. Um, and I just I looked up to them and I, I started following her footsteps. And I, I tell you guys all the time, find the people that are doing what you want to do and surround yourself with those people. Well, at a very young age, they had their Mercedes, they had the Lexuses, they had, you know, all that stuff. So I was like, that's what I want. How are you guys doing it? And then unfortunately I adapted to some pretty, uh, you know, bad. And that led you into some pretty dangerous yeah, situations. It, it so it definitely Edmund, led me into some tell, pretty dangerous tell, situations. Tell the viewers about the, uh, the one incident. So obviously you were around some unsavory characters, mm-hmm. but again, at that time you were pulling support from them. They yeah, became like that father figure. They were. But that one moment mm-hmm. uh, that you share with me, this really, you know, I think it's gonna be pretty powerful for the viewers. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Let's we'll talk about it. It was, it was a, it was definitely a turning point for me in my life. So first off, like much love to all the people that I hung out with growing up. Like I, you know, I, I love these guys growing up like family. I still do. Um, and I know, you know, they would have had my back, anything popped up. They were there multiple occasions and vice versa. Right. So I love these guys, these guys, you know, they, they're, they're doing their their best with what life has handed to them. Right. We all find our avenues either in or out. I found my way out eventually. And I'll talk to you about that. Um, but yeah, there was a turning point, 16 years old. Um, one of my, one of my closest friends, Chris Scarmosi, uh, he and his cousin died in a in motorcycle accident. Well, 
you know, we I used to look up to him. He was older. He was 21. I was like 16. And so he was gone and he was my, my guy that I used to hang out with all the time. So then I was like, okay, started hanging out with another group of, of individuals and I was hanging out with my, my one buddy Ziggy. Right. So my buddy Ziggy was, he was no, like he was not to be messed with. Like if you knew Ziggy growing up, you did not mess with him. Like the boy would get down. Right. Like, and I was luckily like, I was always on his good side, right? We always got along so well. I don't even think me and him ever had an argument, unless it's about politics, right? Like he and I go back <laughs> and forth about politics all the time. But like when I when I was with him and we ever we went somewhere, like I always felt safe. Like I knew like Ziggy could hold his own, and I knew like if I ever went somewhere, like you know Ziggy would have my back, I would have his, and that's just how we were. And that 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 group of guys that I was hanging out with at the time. Um, and he's like, like I said, Ziggy and I are still friends. Like he's one of those friends, like you, you don't talk to for a year. You might not talk to for a year. And then you call on the phone and it's like, you, you just leave off. Like you, you start off right where you left. And he and I, and another gentleman, Jay, we were driving through Wilmington. Kind of got lost. I'll just leave it at that. Um, just doing all the wrong things. We shouldn't have been there. We shouldn't have been in this, this town whatsoever. And uh, stop at a stop sign. Long story short, we end up getting carjacked, right? So, or they attempted to carjack us. And, you know, they reached in, two gentlemen reached in, one reached in, turned my car off, tried to get the key out and was trying to take the car and was like, you know, at gunpoint to my head, he was like, give me everything you have. And I'm thinking, I just got off work. I got money on me. I got my pager on me. Remember pagers back in the day? These guys are trying to take something that I worked so hard for. This guy's not going to shoot me, right? This, this guy's not going to shoot me. And then I got a little nervous because they opened up the car door around the other side and stuck like a sawed-off shotgun or something in my buddy Ziggy's face and started like hitting him in the side of the face with it. And I'm like, whoa, I've never seen anybody do that to him. And then they started to try to yank him out the car. And I'm like, okay, these guys must be big or strong or whatever, because they're they're going to get him out the car. They're they're obviously much older than we are. And no sooner than I did that, I started the car because they were trying to pull him out, and I stalled it. It was a stick. It was a Nissan Sentra, and I stalled it. And I kid you not, the moment I turned it back on, right, I the guy I heard him cock the gun and he put it point blank in my head. It was right here, and I just happened to turn my head. And he pulled the trigger. It was a 45 caliber handgun, pulled the trigger. The bullet grazed my head here. And my buddy Ziggy was holding on to the steering wheel and he was trying to get pulled out. Look at, look at them triceps. They are getting bigger. They right? are, they right? are, man. Uh, working out like you see somebody pull get on you. Yeah, now. Yeah, no, wait, I'm running. Um, <laughs> I'm just giving them whatever they want. I learned that. So they're, they're pulling him out and he's holding on to my car seat. Well, when the bullet grazed my head, it grazed his cheek. It literally rode on the inside of his cheek and out the back of it. It wow. didn't break the skin on the inside and it rode on the inside of his cheek. And then it went into my car door. I heard the glass break. And at that point, I'm like, they just tried to kill us. And I was just like, but my car started. And it went and I just remember the glass breaking and we drove. I couldn't hear anything. It was just a huge ring. It was like, wall, wall, wall. That's all I heard. Flying down the street. My, I had, I had my white tee on, right? My gold chain, all that dumb stuff. But I looked down and my shirt is soaked. So I'm like, okay, I got shot. So I'm like grabbing the side of my head and I just feel all this warm blood. And I'm just like, am I shot like in my head? Like what happened? Then I look at Ziggy. And his cheek looked like he just ate a softball. 
right? He looked like he looked like a chipmunk with a big old like knot on the side of his face. <clears throat> wow. Couldn't hear anything. It was just ringing. And then I just drove. I ran red lights, ran red lights. And then finally the police tried to pull us over. I didn't even stop for them. I stopped at my buddy's house so I knew we were safe. And then we get pulled out the car by the police. And then they notice obviously something's wrong with us. And, you know, we get rushed to the hospital or whatever. And then I just remember the doctors calling or calling my parents. They come in and the doctor, I remember the doctor saying to my mom, I've never seen two luckier kids in my life, right? Like it was a 45 caliber handgun. I still got the bullet to the, or still got the bullet to this day. He was like, just one millimeter, either way with Edmund or Baziggy, they both would be dead. And that was a turning point for me to where I was like, okay, this can happen to you. You yeah. are not invincible. Right. So, so you definitely had some challenging, deadly situations yeah. that you were in. And now when you look at your life and Mr. Replace your employer replace your himself. Employer yeah. Mindset. So, so where, so going through all those things, what kind of, or what shaped you or influenced you? You asked me, who did I look up to mm-hmm. when I was younger? Who like inspired that entrepreneurial spirit in you to Become your own employer and fire yeah. your boss. So I got to back up a little bit um, because it was it, it. What occurred was, so I was this little young punk, and then I started going to school. Uh, you know, not started going to school, but I was in school, and uh, and I, I'll leave this young lady's name out of it, and I have mad respect for her husband for what he does. But I met this 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 girl at the time. She was she we were in the same grade. She was older than I was, but she was the complete opposite of me, right? Like she was a cheerleader. She was doing really well in school, and she showed me some interest or whatever. And I'm like, why is this girl interested in me? She's got straight A's. She comes from an amazing family, still does, and like she was beautiful. So I was just like, all right, why is she interested in me? You know, and then we just got to know each other. We started dating. I think we dated for like a year and a half, but she actually was a huge um, turning point for me Mm -hmm. because I never thought about college. I never thought about no one in my family ever went to college. I didn't even know anybody was in college. I think she was like the first person I even talked to that thought she was, you know, that knew she was going to go to college. And, um, you know, I guess it was my first true lover, so to speak, you know, uh, and it was, you know, it was cool. Um, not, so, not trying to embarrass so. the girl on here and I'm not going to call her out by her name, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was, a, it was a huge turning point for me. Yeah. And then, you know, finally we split up, uh, you know, we ended up splitting up some, you know, some tragic things happened with, with her ex-boyfriend or whatever, which were really sad. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I moved on, she moved on, you know, she's living a great life. I'm living a great life. Like everything happens for a reason. Um, but in my mind, I'm just like everybody that, Everybody that knew me and knew like that I was with this girl, like a lot of people thought when I left her or not when I left her, when we split up, she actually broke up with me. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I got thumped, right? So sorry, it's all right. It happens, right? Uh, it was a good learning moment. Um, everybody thought I was just going to go back to the streets and everybody was like, he's not going to go finish college. I know he, he applied to colleges and all this stuff. I was like, I'm going to college because if I go to if I don't go to college, this girl's going to leave me because she's going to meet some dude in college and roll out. But she ended up leaving me anyway. <laughs> right. So um, I was a punk. I totally deserved it. So I ended up going to college, you know, finished. And I went to college for criminal justice. Right. Because you know what I thought I was going to do? I was going to save all my my friends. Right. For I was going to be an attorney. <laughs> I was going to be an attorney and 
I was going to save all my friends from going to jail and all that good stuff. Even went to school and took my LSATs and failed them miserably. Um, you know, so the the whole, you know, uh, going to law school thing didn't, didn't work out. But I did finish my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Nice. So yeah. imagine, like, back up to my story last week, I was going to be an English professor. Yeah. And you were going to be an attorney. So, like, if we were on a show today, how we follow this path, it'd be like the professor and the, the lawyer. The lawyer. I, the lawyer I, and the I, professor. I would have sued you for something. <laughs> Maybe that's your new name, the lawyer, the lawyer and the professor. There we go. So you met this girl. She obviously had a massive impact on Mm -hmm. your life. Just showed you, I guess, what was possible, what was out there. Yeah. It was just another example of like, you know, find the people that are doing what you want to do in life and and just follow what they're doing. I just really followed her footsteps. Like she didn't realize like how much of a role model she was for me at that time. She probably still don't know until this day, but. And ultimately too, the people that you surround yourself, you're going to be the pro, what did they say? You're the sum product of the five people you spend. Right. So. You go to college, obviously you're not an attorney now because Mm -hmm. you're a super successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what happened next and then how you got to be where you are today. Actually started to, uh, I I hung out with, uh, I met a gentleman named Kevin Gastaldi. He was one of the older guys growing up. He became, he became like my next role model, right? So I was following him. He was, had owned his own business, was doing very well, super successful. He's the one that really got me out of Newcastle and just open-minded about like, look, man, like there's different types of homes that you can live in. There's, you know, there are different cars that you can drive and you can do it all the right way by owning a business. So I didn't really know what kind of business I wanted to run at that age. I definitely didn't know anything about real estate at the time. I wish I did. Um, so I, I go back. I wanted to be a police officer. Right. So I applied to Newcastle County Police and they immediately were like rejected. Like you're, <laughs> you're you got to do a lie detector test. You got to go through all like I definitely wasn't passing the lie detector test. And I was I was brutally honest on my application, which you're supposed to be. And they just they probably just took it, ripped it up, sent me a letter, said no way. Right. So I was like, OK. There's a, there's always an easier way to do this. So I ended up meeting this other um, this other young lady. She was from Greece. Beautiful girl. Um, a lot of young ladies. Yeah, yeah. Young, there's, there's only three. There's only three, right? There's only three. And and the, my third one, third third time's a charm, right? And that's this is the woman I married and I'm still with today. Um, she, you know, we she was from New York, um, which was really like cool to me. And then like I got you know got a chance. I met her in Delaware. We ended up moving to New York together um, because uh, I wanted to be a police officer. So I was like, guess what? You don't have to take a lie detector to test in New York City, right? If you did, no one would be police officers in New York City. So I was like, I found my way around this. Went through the whole boot camp thing, did all that, right? Um, went through the, not the boot camp, but the, um, police the, the, the not the academy, but the, the process to become a police officer. Made it all the way through. And then there was like this huge hiring freeze and everything else. And then, you know, her dad got sick. We had to do a few things to make sure that she could go home and see her dad because she was she was from a, another country and her visa got messed up. So we took care of that. And then she was able to go see her dad and, you know, um, take care, you know, get some closure there. And then we came back and we actually got engaged and we had to move to Delaware um because she you know her visa got messed up so she had to come to school in delaware we found a couple of ways to get her skirt around that she did that and then uh i ended up working at a, a group home setting I, I was working for banks and stuff you know as, as odd and end jobs but i worked in a group home setting and i fell in love it was like 
I worked with these kids that had absolutely nothing, right? And you want to talk about a hard life, like my life is nothing, or a lot of people's lives are nothing compared to these kids. I mean, kids that were trapped in closets, they had to eat, use the bathroom, sleep in closets. These parents did this to them, put cigarettes out on them. I mean, just abused these kids. And it was absolutely terrible. And that was when I, I, it was, I made 1075 an hour, but it was the most rewarding job I ever had in my life. And that was my passion for wanting to help kids um, came from. And I absolutely loved it. Went to work every day, happy, didn't make money, but was, was, was happy. And you could go in there and be super miserable and, and meet these kids and, they would just light your life up like that. They also drive you nuts sometimes, but they would light your life up like that, man. And it was, it was, that's where my passion for when to become a teacher. Right. And that led you into education where you were not only a teacher, but also an assistant principal where we connected to talk about, you know, that journey through your teaching career and administration. So I was one, you know, I was, it was a behavioral therapist is what it was. So I was working with these kids and then Again, find people that are doing what you want to do. I was only making like $20,000 a year. The teachers were making 40 or 50. And I'm like, you know, like you're not doing much different than what I'm doing. Right. And like, I think I can do what you're doing. So what do I, what do I got to do? Go to school, get your teaching degree, go get a master's degree, Wilmington University, right? It's two years. And I'm like, and I could be a teacher. They're like, yeah. I was like, sweet. Went ahead, did it, got my degree. And then there was a, a professor in, in school. I was going to go back to this group home setting and work for them. But the professor was like, you know, you can work in a public school setting, have more security, make just as much money, have benefits and get the summers off. And I was like, wow, summers off. That's true. And you get paid during the summer. So why not? So I got involved in a public school setting and I met this clown at the same at the same uh, high school, uh, Bohemian Manor High School. And yeah. he was an English teacher. I was a special ed teacher. And. We got to know one another. We linked up. We, we had classes and stuff together. We, you know, we taught these kids together and, and we killed it. We absolutely killed fun. it. Yeah, it was good. We would start off every morning because yeah. it was first period with the with the song. And uh, remember your little dance you used to do? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not repeating that again. <laughs> <laughs> the kids would crack up. Yeah, they loved it. We were just full of energy, man. And yeah. the kids loved it. And we had the most difficult kids in the building. Um. And, they, and they, they, they did some amazing things. And actually, and I don't want to, I'm not going to put his name out there, but one of the kids right now that were, was in our class um, and stayed after with us on Saturday school is now following us and is going down to replace your employer pathway with us, yep. right? And it, he and I are going to coach this young man and his wife um, on how to get involved in real estate investing. So yeah. it, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. If you think about for sure. that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as teachers, like as teachers and administrators, you never get that upfront reward. It's a lot of times you, cause you're dealing with problems. And then a lot of times on the back end, you'll see somebody said, Hey, you really had an impact in my life. I'm right. like, sucks that it took 15 years to hear that. But yeah. you know, it was, it, those moments are very rewarding. And so, shout out to Chris, you're going to kill it. Yeah. Uh, looking Absolutely. forward to chatting with you. So then you go into administration. Uh, did. How did that come about? And yeah, then you was, got out. I did. So got involved in administration. Um, it, we just, so Randy Schaefer, mentor of ours who got us involved in teaching. Randy um, Schaefer. Yeah, was our principal. Uh, he was so cool. Like, man, he, <laughs> yeah. um, he, he was super helpful in many situations. Um, though, a, a younger principal came in, um, Chip. 
and Charles Helm. And he came in and he was young. And I'm just like, whoa, who's this guy? Like, this guy's young. He's what was like 31, 31. And he's principal already. I'm like, okay. So got to know him a little bit. Jeremy got to know him and we were going through and he, you know, I, I think he had a pretty good feeling like how I was with kids. He was like, all right, you're not the brightest bulb in the box, but you, you are, he was like, you're outstanding with, with the kids, right? Like these at-risk kids love you. I think you'd make a good assistant principal. And I'm like, what? And then I started talking to him. He was like, dude, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. And I'm like, here we go again. Follow the people that are doing what you want to do in life. Like, what do I got to do? Okay, Edmund, you got to go get your master's degree in administration. That's what I did. I wanted, did it, got my master's degree, um, you know, became an assistant principal in the county, um, was an assistant principal at Bohemian Manor High School for a year. And then, no, it was a couple years. A couple years. Yeah. And then I became assistant principal at Elkton High School, which is like a, it's a title one at-risk school, high poverty area, just amazing, amazing teachers, amazing, uh, amazing kids. They were, you know, very difficult times for a lot of these kids, but I love part of that. Yeah. But it did become overwhelming. Um, there was a point where I was complaining about it today. I broke my leg at, at school. Breaking up a fight. Breaking up a fight between a teacher and a, and a, and a student, basically. And he's got the, right? metal, or the metal rod I, in his leg to I, prove it. Th- thanks a lot, Burkheiser. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have a metal rod in my leg. I had a, my first year at this, um, this school and traumatic injury to my leg. Um, one went to you know got went to the hospital got the ride in was back to work in six weeks right I think I got a lot of respect for that uh, a lot of people you know gave me kudos for that but I right back in it right and that's right. really probably when all of this yeah started to yeah come it, to fruition right? so there was that and then it was children um, my my turning point my compelling why if I didn't have children I probably would still be back in the education field. Um, but there were two things happened that were kind of simultaneous and it just, it just, it just worked out beautifully. And like, there's no coincidences. Like he believes in coincidences. I don't. So no, you can't even say the damn word. I know what asked me to spell it. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I just don't believe in, in a coincidence. So we had my, my wife had our first son, Mason. And it took me a little while to get used to, you know, having a, a newborn in the house. I wasn't really, wasn't really connecting with him right away. She was, I just didn't know what to do. Just all the things of becoming a new father, right? Got a dad bod and everything else. That's why I'm working on this. Um, so five, four or five years go by and my second son, um, my wife was pregnant again. And I realized I'm like, I'm spending 65 hour work weeks, right? At work, barely ever home. Um, did a did a lot of talking with seniors as they would exit and you know had a kind of an aha moment there there was a huge fight in the hallway at the school and i watched kids just walk past the fight with their book bags on and there's other kids out there filming it and doing all this other stuff but another group of kids kept talking walked right by them i'm sitting there trying to break up this fight and i'm looking and i'm like they don't even care where are they going so i broke the fight up, followed them to their classroom. They were going to their honors class. And I'm like, okay, these are the, these are the kids I never get to talk to. So I go into the honors class. I'm like, I'm going to talk to you guys. Like 
you guys saw the fight out there. How come you weren't stopping and looking at it and like filming it and like all these other kids were? They were like, our our parents will kill us. My dad will kill me. My dad will kill me. Like they told me, don't get caught up in that. Right. And I'm just like, okay. So dad's around, right? Mom, dad, the, the families are together. I'm like, okay. So the families have instilled values in what's important. Fights and stuff are important. Their education, getting to class on time, getting good grades, all that stuff is important. So then I dove deeper into it. And I started realizing, like, all these kids that are having success in life, dad's home, right? Dad's a huge part or a father figure is a huge part in their life. And I think that's where my stepfather came in. He filled that void after all the, you know, the people I was following, you know, I, I got away from that. He started to fill that void. And I, I started to realize what a, what a man truly was and how a man was supposed to treat a woman, how a man was supposed to take care of his kid. I mean, like his wife, he, his, he and his wife left or his wife left. And he, he had all three of his boys, right? And, and he stepped up and he took care of them and he took two more boys on. So that was, you know, that was a huge turning point. Um, so I just realized like something's got to change. Yeah. And my second son being born and I was like, you know, I went to the superintendent who was super cool, understood what I was going through and said, I'll give you some time to think about it. You know, take a, a leave of absence. Like, you know, you we have no reason not to do that for you. And it just allowed me to collectively get my thoughts together. But at the same time, I, I met Michael Lush um, and through this company, uh, Replace Your Mortgage. And Replace Your Mortgage teaches you how to pay your house off on average five to seven years. And my buddy, John Barbado, introduced me uh, to that. And it worked. I mean, it worked tremendously well. Like I went from a 28, I went 28 years on my mortgage to having my house paid off projected on seven to eight years and actually paid it off sooner. And once I realized, I'm like, wow, like what else does this guy have to teach? Um, you know, I, it, it works so well. Like I, I wanted, I wanted to, to sell, replace your mortgage to people and help people, but I needed, I wanted to be in charge of my own life. I wanted that my kids were my aha moment to where I said, okay, I need to, I need to build a business. I need to be part of businesses. I need to be an, an investor of some sort so I can create the lifestyle that I want to create. And I'm working on my dream, not someone else's. Right. And that's, that was a huge turning point. And that led you to where you are today. It is. The, the, the head of replace your employer. Talk a little bit about replace your employer, yep. what it is that you guys do and, and how you support yeah, we help people like you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm a testimonial. Yeah, absolutely. You really are. You're a walking yeah. living testimony. We're going to have more of them too. Yeah. Um, so just so you understand, like, so there's Replace Your University. That is what the Replace Your Mortgage has morphed into. All right. So there's Replace Your University. And really the premise behind Replace Your University is what these people teach, what we teach now, your schools are not going to teach this, okay? Your universities are not going to teach what we teach, okay? The wealthy are wealthy for a reason. It's because they know and do things that we as middle-class Americans don't know and do, okay? We are, you know, we are conditioned to believe, go through school, get a degree, get a secure job, raise a family, save money to retire, and that's really it, right? My dreams were much bigger than that, and they always have been. Um, so, same with you. Yep. Um and I, I built my, again, I keep coming back to this, follow the people that are doing what you want to do. I built a relationship with Mike. Michael gave me an opportunity to sell, replace your mortgage. I crushed it in sales, became one of his top sales guys, even though 
mathematically, he told me flat out, like, this isn't going to work for you, right? This may not work for you. He never says, you know, it won't. Um, he was like, but statistically, it, it's not going to. You have no sales experience. Little did he know, but no sales experience. <laughs> um, sorry, Mike. Michael. Um, and uh, it was, you know, I, I had no mortgage background. Yeah. But I believed in their product so much because it worked for me. Uh, I, I sold it, right? And I, I killed it. And then, you know, he was going through some really tough times with his partner. He had a uh, business partner who just, you know, they, they did not hit it off very well whatsoever. And they, they decided to, to separate. Um, and you know, I stayed loyal to Mike and Mike was just like, look, I would love to give you a, a piece of the business. And, you know, it, you've been around long enough. If you would like to buy in, you know, for being loyal, I would love to give you that opportunity. So I did. I bought in. Um, I invested. Um, bought in, became 10% business owner of, of that business. And then as time went on, we turned Replace Your Mortgage into Replace Your University. So me and my business partners, Matt Workman, Derek Waltz, and, and Michael uh, Lush all got together and we created Replace Your University because we were like, middle-class America needs to know more about a way out, right? You do, you do not need to live in debt. You do not need, need to live in fear. Right. So courage based better to fear. And it absolutely does. And we built the business to what it is today. We have replace your mortgage, which is our main product. We have replace your mindset. My man, Nate Bailey, right here, un unleash the leader within. Um, that really is it's just a mindset course. And, and there's a boot camp type situation you can go through to really push your physical limits. And that, is, that has been super helpful for me. There's Replace Your Banker. Um, Replace Your Banker teaches you how to use whole life insurance to build wealth um, to where you're borrowing from yourself and not the bank. Uh, there's Replace Your School, right? We have a, we have a new yeah. product now is Replace Your School. Jeremy teaches people um, how to much talk about Replace Your yeah, School. Yeah, Replace Your School. So for those families who have thought about homeschooling or currently homeschool their child, just offering support, resources, navigating homeschool law so that you can effectively homeschool your child at home. But also, too, you know, if you have children in the public school setting, private school, giving you support and helping you navigate things like scheduling or if your child has a dream college they want to get into helping with preparing as early as eighth grade to mm -hmm. make sure when they're a senior that they're ready for that. So there's a, a wealth of services available. through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they're all very affordable. Um, you know, Jeremy, you know, you pay for time, right? So Jeremy has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to education. Like he can absolutely walk any parent, any child through any part of the education system and do it very well. Um, then we got replace your dollar, Jeremy Newsom. Um, Jeremy Newsom talk, you know, gets into day trading, swing trading, investing, all that. Um, and that is the course that that Jeremy yeah. has taken and is going down now. Yeah. Um, and then there's replace your employer. So I'm in charge of replace your employer. I'm the CEO of replace your employer. And it's kind of morphed into a couple of different things, really. Primarily real estate. So myself and Nate Lambert, we're, we are and TJ Walstead, we are the real estate coaches under Replace Your Employer. And we can teach anybody that has the desire to get involved in real estate. And you can leave your W-2 job or you can stay in your W-2 job and just learn, you know, and, and, and scale it however much you want. Um, but we can teach anybody how to get involved in real estate investing, yeah. right? Literally go from knowing absolutely nothing like I did. I knew nothing. We have the proper education, we have the support, we have the mentorship, and we have the marketing that, that people need to get involved in real estate investing. And we have helped over 400 people 
get involved in real estate investing. Now, not, not everybody's quit their jobs and got involved, but a lot of people have walked away from their W-2 jobs. We have plenty of people that you can talk to to, right. to do that. And then, uh, you know, a little bit back to your story. I mean, you, you were kind of done too. You were done with school and yeah. you, you, you know, came over and you were just like, all right, what do I got to do? Yeah. And, and we walked you through that plan. Yeah. It's just all about pushing through and just kind of bringing it all back together and kind of putting a cap on your story here yeah. and some very interesting stuff. So when you look back on everything and the the title of the podcast, Courage Pays Better Than Fear. Yeah. What was that moment like for you when you made that decision, you took that leap, that fear that you were feeling, how did you push yourself through it when maybe everything was telling you, no, no, this isn't safe. This isn't secure. Mm -hmm. How did you force yourself through that to get on the other side where you are today? Because I think that really could help some of our viewers who are feeling mm -hmm. the same thing. Like, how do I, how do I push past this fear mm -hmm. and believe in myself that I can make this happen? You got to go all in. My man, Nate Bailey says it all the time. There's no putting one foot in and having another foot out. Go all in. Make it your belief, right? This is your belief system. You can do this. You can get involved in real estate. I'm telling you now, I I say it all the time, not the brightest bulb in the box, right? I, I'm a smart guy, but listen, all you have to do is follow what other people have done. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. And that's what I realized. I'm like, I have people that I can go to that I know will support me through this process. So for replacing your employer, I mean, you have the right education, which we have, you have the right mentors, myself included, Nate Lambert, TJ, right? And then you have the marketing system. It's all the components you need to get involved in real estate. And we walk you through it from start to finish. And in fact, for replace your employer, we have a free trial you get to be on our team free for a week. Don't got to pay anything. I pay for it, actually. So does Nate. So does TJ. We pay for people to get you on the team just so you can see the light on the other side of the tunnel. And, you know, like I said, we've helped over 400 people do it. And we have about 7,000 clients under Replace Your University. And it's, you know, it's been a godsend for a lot of people. So if you would give, if you could boil that down, one piece of advice, one statement, one sentence that you would give to the viewers out there that are that are thinking about taking that next step and going after their dreams, pushing through that fear, what would that advice be? One, everything you want is on the other side of fear, but discipline, right? You have to be disciplined and everything you want is on the other side of fear. Find the people that are doing what you want to do and follow them, right? Just make sure they're good people, right? <laughs> And we're good people, but yeah, that, that, that is what works so well for me in my life in bad ways. Right. Yeah. And also in good ways. Awesome. So Awesome, man. Well, I think the viewers probably really enjoyed your story. I hope so. Yeah. Give it, I'm not, I'm not super proud of it guys. Like, uh, you know, a lot of mistakes were made when I was younger. Okay. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change who I grew up with. I wouldn't change where I came from. I love those guys. I still do. In fact, I struggle with it even as an adult, why I can't hang out with them today. Um, but just things change, right? Everybody goes their different pathways in life and everybody gets busy. But, you know, you guys can do it. Our viewers out there, I'm telling you, it can be done. All you have to do is be all in. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for episode number four of the Courage Pays Better Than Fear podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz. I'm thanking you so much for joining us today. Don't forget. Come on, man. You're good at this. What, what am I forgetting? 
the like button. Oh, I was getting there. Oh, yeah, give me, sure you are. Give right. me a second. Courage pays better than fear. Absolutely. But just a reminder, check out replaceyouruniversity.com for um, all the information related, related to replace your employer, replace your mindset, replace your school. Uh, be sure to smash. There you go. Or what did we say last? Flick. Flick. <laughs> the like and subscribe button. Share with your family and friends. We appreciate the comments we got last week. We got a nice one from, was it Dia? Yeah, Dia. Dia, yeah. shout out to you. Thanks so much. Keep the comments coming in. If you have questions, we'll get them on next week's show. And we will see you back here next Friday, the second week of October. Already almost in the books. It's going by fast. It's going by really fast. So remember... Work hard, get after it, believe in yourself, you can make it happen. We will see you on the next episode of Courage Pays Better Than Fear because courage pays better than fear. Have a great weekend, everyone.